Hey, before we dive into today's episode, I had to let you know that I just launched my brand new Front Row CEO virtual staffing agency, and we provide efficient, reliable, and affordable virtual assistance for your business. After personally vetting more than 100 VAs and matching them with clients, I know now that we have a proven system to find your perfect match virtual assistant. And we're not your typical agency. We, the team, have extensive experience with all aspects of the hiring process. And we take pride in personally selecting top-notch virtual assistants who will meet your unique business requirements. Our vetting process is super unique, and we continue to optimize this process to make sure we are only finding the best of the best VAs. We also uh, do not charge ongoing fees or manage and mark up your VA's wage. So you can learn more about this at CEOvirtualstaffing.com. And right now we have capacity for 30 new clients. Uh, if you are number 31 or 32, that doesn't mean that you um, you can't join us. It just means you might have to wait a week or two. So go to CEOvirtualstaffing.com. Now let's get into the episode. Hey guys, it's Gary Bay, Nerd Chuck, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen. Our guest today calls himself an accidental marketer. He found a niche in advanced Facebook advertising beginning in 2012. His experience with Facebook goes back to his years with the NBA when the league partnered with Facebook in 2007. He's a baseball fan and a stats nerd who shares his love of the game with his three boys. He's also one of the single greatest content creators that I have ever learned from online. Welcome to the show, John Loomer. Whew, thank you so much, Jen. It's awesome. <laughs> well, it's all true. When, when I first started my business 10 years ago, you were early in your business too. And I turned to your podcast and your blog and your trainings to learn all about Facebook ads. And the fact of the matter is my business wouldn't be anywhere close to where it is today without Facebook ads. So we can make a cogent argument and say that you are directly responsible for the success of my business. So I really am really super excited to have you here. And the reason that I say that you're one of the greatest content creators that I've ever met online is because you do everything that I love. So you're no BS. You get to the point. You write really clearly. You are a total giver. Honestly, the amount of free, valuable content that you have out there is mind-blowing. You are a true expert, and those experiments that you do are just completely like nobody else does that. So we're going to get to all of that because I have so, so many questions for you. But the first thing, what I want to do first is just start at the very beginning. How did you start your business? Well, I had no idea what I was doing, and I didn't, and I didn't know I was starting a business. So back in, yes, I worked for the NBA from 2005 to 08, end of 2005 to middle of 08, and then um, left that because we couldn't live in New Jersey anymore. And I did a series of things over two and a half years and I was laid off twice. <laughs> and that, when that happens, yep. Um, I, first of all, I knew that I did not want to move my family again. I was also spoiled, you know, having worked for the NBA, even, you know, the last job I had was actually, you know, it was a good gig. It was a fulfilling gig. It was um, doing some of the things I loved. 
uh, working for American Cancer Society. I got to work remotely, but it was also a bad time economy-wise. And um, so I, I had been spoiled those past few years with really good jobs. So like, I just didn't want another job. And I didn't know I was going to start a business. Like I, within, I, I might've bought the domain that same day after I was laid off. I don't even, I'm not positive, but I launched the website 11 days later with no clear goals other than feeling like, okay, this is going to help me get my next job. I'm going to showcase what it is I can do. Uh, because I'd learned a lot of things marketing wise uh, over those last few years. And I assume that was going to be real quick. Yeah, yeah, sure. When you were with the Cancer Society, did you do like fundraising and that sort of thing? So I had what was, you know, looking back, probably not ideal, kind of an, uh, you know, a new position, experimental position that was involved in all that stuff, right? So utilizing, social media, online, and other things in new and creative ways for ultimately fundraising and awareness. Yeah. And it was for the Great West Division uh, for American Cancer Society. Because I, one of my first jobs out of college, which I stayed for years and moved up through the ranks, was with um, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. And the reason I ask is because I really feel like I learned And when I was working with them, like email had just come out. But I feel like when you work for a company where you have to be scrappy like that because they don't have a huge budget and you sort of have to wear so many hats, it teaches you so much. That's really where I learned. I didn't know I was learning marketing. You know what I mean? But like, I really feel like that's where I got most of my marketing skills. Anyway, please continue. So no, that's a good point because, yeah, I had to be scrappy there. That's really where I learned how to, you know, like basics of creating a WordPress website um, and just a, just a lot of the little things, you know, with Facebook pages and groups and things like that, you know, the NBA, when I worked for the NBA, that was so early, there weren't even Facebook pages yet. It was just Facebook groups and there weren't like, uh, truly, truly brand, um, groups, right? You could just create a group for anything. Now there was an official NBA Facebook group. I was the admin of it, which was a really weird experience. <laughs> but um so yeah, it's it's interesting. So I had a lot of exposure to Facebook at that time. I fell in love with the, the platform mainly for personal reasons because I, I moved around a lot as a kid and being able to reconnect with all these people you thought you'd never hear from again was amazing. And then having you know that exposure with with the American Cancer Society uh, and our, our oldest son is a cancer survivor. So that's why that also hit home. And so then to, to get laid off, um, you know, yeah, I just, it really was getting scrap, being scrappy, right. Uh, assembling this website. It really looking back, it wasn't a very good website. Uh, I, I even did a lot of design myself and did everything as inexpensively as possible because I not only had no money or, didn't have a lot of money, but I knew I was going to be burning through money, which I ultimately did. So like anything, luckily we had savings, but any savings we had would disappear over the next few months. And so I just, yeah, I had to be scrappy. Um, Eventually just started writing about stuff I knew that was usually social media focused in the beginning, then marketing related. I think because I realized really around, you know, three months later that 
I was at least creating a, I don't want to say brand, but um, I'm building something. I don't know what it is. I still wasn't going to, I didn't see myself as starting a business. I started creating enough tutorials and whatnot. They were used, started to focus on Facebook marketing in February. So what is that, like six months later or so? And I started getting good traffic. I leveraged that. We're still in the very beginning here. I don't think that I know how to start a business. Um, so that's creating my own product isn't really a consideration. What I know is I need money. My family needs money. I'm getting traffic. So what I did was, uh, first of all, I started an email list. Um, and then I, as far as affiliate marketing goes, look, I'm not a natural salesperson. Um, so I'm not going to sell you stuff, but essentially it, w- it was a matter of, hey, this is a tool that I use to create my website. It was essentially it. I mean, there were there were four or five tools. Like, um, you know, what was the theme? Um, my WordPress theme, right? Or what's what are the social media tools, third party tools that I use, or you know, something along those lines. And I started getting some really good traffic, and I to the point where some of these uh, uh, companies also wanted to buy ad space on my website. So over time that, that improved, right. But it got to the point where it's like, man, this traffic is so good. And this real estate on my website is so valuable to these other companies. It could also be valuable to me. I wonder if I should, if I should start a, a, a product, if I should launch a product and it started with the most ridiculous idea that wasn't scalable, but it was something. And that was the key to everything that an entrepreneur does. I think you just have to try mm-hmm. stuff instead Absolutely. of worrying about it. So I created this product that was a Facebook page review where I, uh, like I basically all I did was I sent an, e- uh, an email. And I, I don't know, I might have had 2,000 or so people on my list at the time. And there was a PayPal link and that was it. That was the extent of a landing page or anything. I think I would link to that PayPal within an, an, a blog post said, Hey, if you want me to review your, your Facebook page, I'll do that. Sign up. And that was it. Um, and that was my first product. Um, within, I don't know, a few months or so I lost, launched my first training and that's really when everything exploded because that was, you may re- remember power editor. Yes, um, <laughs> that's <laughs> old school. And that's um, basically back then it was known if you were serious about Facebook ads, you were using Power Editor. That said, it was extremely buggy, difficult to use and confusing, which was perfect. Right? I didn't even realize this at the time, but my God, that's that's like those are the perfect characteristics of a good product. I mean, not only is it advanced advertisers where these are the people who want to spend more, but there's a lot of confusion around it. People want to learn how to use it. And that's when my business has just exploded and uh, never used affiliate marketing or anything ever since then um, because I could just focus on selling my own stuff. And then the rest is history because you like really just doubled down on all things Facebook ads and really became like 
you know, you don't have any peers in this space. I mean, I don't know anybody who goes as deep as, as you do. And I love that you said it was the perfect product because, you know, because of the fact that it was complicated and there was a demand for people to understand it. And they were people who are willing to pay for that advanced knowledge. But also you do have a talent for breaking down complicated things and making them consumable by most people. Like we don't have to be stat geeks in order to understand you, which is why I I gravitated to your stuff. But let me ask you this, as I mean, people still want to know about Facebook ads. There's probably more confusion than ever because of everything with iOS and all of that. How has that changed your business? What new challenges have popped up as your business has has matured? Well, you know, what's obvious with my business and probably any business where you need to, you're trying to educate people on how to do something is the minute that everything is easy and everyone knows how to do it, it's bad for you. <laughs> so I need change. Uh, I, I need there to be some sort of disruption where people are confused and they need me to explain it for them. So yeah, the iOS stuff was a big deal. I mean, that that impacted everybody, no matter what, even if you didn't have customers who are on iOS because of the changes that impacted everyone. So mm-hmm. attribution changes and things like that. So that was the biggest thing. And now it's a matter of, you know, a year and a half later, we're starting to get some of that back. But I think um, we went from an kind of this Wild West era of, wow, the results that you can get from Facebook ads are absolutely insane. It doesn't even feel right to like it, these these results must be inflated. It was was often the claim, right? Because a 28 day click, the one day view, everything combined with that. To then we get to the point of iOS, and you're like, where did the conversions go? Uh, why isn't this working? And you're trying to connect the dots and find you know some verification that these ads actually are leading to conversions. Because especially for anyone where they're selling a more expensive product, that it may take longer than seven days to make that final decision after clicking your ad, um, you are no longer seeing those conversions. It didn't matter what device you were on. So. It created a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion, um, but we're starting to get some of that back. But there's just so many changes in terms of privacy and and browsers, browser settings. And we really, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this goes. Well, you know, I, I, I don't do my Facebook ads anymore. I have an expert handle that for me. But I remember in the glory days, when I was doing my own ads and I could go in and I could say, all right, I want to show this to people who like Amy Porterfield, who make this much money, who drive this kind of car, who recently returned from the Caribbean, who are probably, you know, voted for so-and-so. And it was amazing. It was just so much fun, right? It was like fishing, sort of, I guess. I mean, I'm not a fisherman, but you know, like what lure is gonna work? And and it and it really was kind of fun. Is any of that kind of targeting still available? It is. Now, beginning in January, and maybe even a little bit before that, I mean, they they've gone through some rounds of removing interests. So but and it's there's always a question of the direction that Facebook heading is heading. Is that in reaction to 
the fact that you can't do a lot of these things anymore? Or is the fact that you can't do a lot of these things anymore partially in response to the fact that if you go broad, you get better results anyway, which is where Facebook's going. So it's interesting um, because, yeah, you know, back in the day, look, I love all the levers and, and experimenting and like my favorite thing was micro targeting and, and, and focusing on the most engaged audience. The people are most likely to, to, you know, get value out of what I'm, what I'm offering and using to drive traffic as well as, you know, build my list and whatnot. And so making this shift where Facebook really wants you to go broad, right? So they, they really don't even want you to mess with those interests anymore. So anyone who runs a conversions campaign, especially if you use a lookalike audience, they automatically turn on lookalike expansion, which is now advantage lookalikes, which means, yes, you can start with that 1% lookalike. But if they want to, Facebook thinks they can get you more results, they can move beyond that percentage to a, to a greater percentage. And if you're using a conversions campaign and you and you select an interest. So yeah, you select Amy Porterfield as an interest, which is, I'm pretty sure she's still there. That would be the starting targeting, but they have expansion on detail, uh, detailed targeting expansion on for that as well, which is advantage detailed targeting now where that's the starting point. But if they want to, they can go beyond that. So they're, they're forcing us to go broader than we're, we, we're really used to. And the reality is, you know, it seems that Facebook's machine learning is getting better. Now, I would say that that is especially the case for e-com. And I have some doubts when you're like, you're just looking for things, you know, like driving traffic to your website or get, get a good engagement or something like that. But we're coming into that time where and it's this is kind of where tiktok seems to be going and some, some i think some other ad platforms even google as well where it's like you know what i know you want us to, to hyper target but you should trust us is basically what the the platform is saying we we can do a better job than you can by picking out these little interests find learning from you know how people are engaging and finding more people like them well, speaking of TikTok, I noticed that you you got you got some TikTok action going over there. And you know, I report the news every morning on this flash briefing that I do. So I'm well aware of like, well, and also I spend a lot of time on TikTok. But I mean, in terms of what's available to advertisers, I talk about it a lot, but I haven't done I haven't done any of it. And then I watched, I think I I think it was a TikTok that you did where you talked about how you you boosted a post or you promoted a post and you did it initially to get more followers because you wanted to experiment with TikTok live and you have to have a thousand followers on TikTok to go live. So this morning I got one of my TikToks. I don't have that many, but, but I picked one. And when it came to choosing your audience, it's like, trust us, ask, you know, let us do it or you can do it. But so I, I went to, I wanted to see like how micro I could get, which wasn't very, it was like, you know, I could pick some hashtags and I could pick like, uh, really some very broad topics. In fact, marketing and business and entrepreneurship wasn't even on there, but anyway, I don't know how it's going. I just did that this morning, but I, I want to talk about TikTok. Like 
what do you think about it? Are you going to go all in? Are you going to pivot away from Facebook to TikTok? Like, tell us everything. No. So, man, there's so much we could talk about on this topic. Um, So as early as probably September, I TikTok and just that overall format was a joke to me. And part of it was like just I'm super uncomfortable with that format. Like I, I don't like I don't like being in front of a camera. I don't like worrying about lighting and what I look like and sound like. And also just the like I opened up the TikTok app for the first time and I don't know where to start. Like the all the filters and the just everything. It's just insane to me. And it's also a matter of like my old school way of thinking with videos is that, and and I got this question once I did start uh, creating these videos all the time. It's like, what's the ROI of that? My inability to measure that because you, you really can't drive traffic uh, organically, especially. And oftentimes I would say you shouldn't try to um, I, I get to that a little bit later, but um, so the whole matter of, yeah, trust that you're doing this for a good reason was really hard for someone who normally has all this data, like, oh, this is driving good traffic, which means people are joining my email list, which means I'm going to get more revenue. Like, even if I can't direct do a direct line to revenue, if I can at least drive, drive direct line to traffic, that's good. And now you're going to tell me create videos, which are really hard to drive traffic from. And really, maybe you shouldn't even try to in most cases, that was really hard to swallow. And I know that a lot of people have thought the same thing when they've consumed my videos. Okay. But so my business has been on a bit of a decline the past few years. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Some of it, I would say like when you create a business and you put together your processes, um, I guess I can only speak for myself. I wasn't preparing a business that's going to be around for 10, 20 years. Like you're just trying to like, how, how, how do we make this most efficient and effective right now? And so it's like, Oh, we get, so we follow these processes. My blog is my home base. Let's, let's make sure everything's focused on my blog. And also I'm a dad and I was a baseball coach and like, I don't want to work a lot. I'm let, let me try to, to make this, in a way, this business build this uh, build this business around the fact that I want to be a baseball coach for my kids and watch them grow up and all that kind of stuff. So I started, you know, having these systems and processes set up for that, not changing, not really evolving because hey, this works. Working less and less, and also resisting video and resisting those changes, and very slowly, I would say, especially once COVID hit. That also impacted me just in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like I, I, it's already, I think you already mentioned it. I, I, I don't like to sell. So if you're going to present me with a situation where I'm hearing from people who are getting laid off, their businesses are failing as a result of all this stuff that was going on, and I'm supposed to sell to you, that was just a very hard block to overcome. Like I, my entire plans for that first year were pretty much scrapped. And once I created a product, it was like, I'm, it's not going to be a Facebook ads related product. It was more like, how do you get online? Like, you know, 
uh, live videos and things like that. And even then that was, uh, I sold it super cheap because I just didn't want to gouge people during that time. And so that really accelerated a, this descent for my business that I wasn't really prepared for. And um, I think everything kind of came together at the right time in that I need to needed to figure something out quick with my business. At the same time, I wrapped up my final season coaching baseball for my youngest son uh, because that was, oh, I mean, it was like a full-time job, um, travel ball. So is that that point where I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, what am I going to do differently? What am I not doing right now? It's time to change and evolve. And I had to commit to video. Uh, so it was understanding that I'm going to create some really bad videos. Um, and I had to be okay with that. Um, that was the first thing is like to embrace that, knowing that, Kind of like with my own, with the start of my website, like my website looked like crap, <laughs> you know, we created, create like the design wise and things like that. Like, what was I doing? But you had to start somewhere. And so at the videos, like no one's watching this video anyway. Yes. Wait, let's stop there for a minute. Cause I just want to reiterate this. Cause it really is so important for anybody who's afraid to jump on any platform. When you first start, even though you have a huge following, when you went to TikTok, they weren't there because you weren't there. And so, I mean, they weren't looking for you. I mean, honestly, I would never think to look for John Loomer on TikTok. I mean, that's the truth, you know? And not, you know, now I will, obviously, but like, I know that that, I just don't picture you there, right? So whatever, all of us have to start from zero. And when you start from zero, the beauty is nobody's looking, nobody's following you. So you very few people are gonna see you look dumb. And by the time you start to get viewers, you've gotten better. So please continue. But I really wanted to get the highlighter pen out on that. It's absolutely true. And 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 really, those who are watching it care about you. <laughs> and right. they're cheering you on. Right. So, right. Um, so that's the thing. It's like every just you have to approach it with a beginner's mind and understanding that every video you create has a purpose and you're gonna learn from it. And also I started consuming the content realize just kind of understanding what it was that I liked or didn't like about other people's videos um, what made me stop and watch I would ask them questions like how did you do this um, and that helped a lot and so it was it's a it's a it was a learning process it was an acceptance that it's it's going to be tough in the early going but it's also understanding that there's a reason I need to do this. Right. So once I started to get comfortable enough with what I was doing on TikTok, it was it became much bigger than TikTok for me. It was like this. And this is why I recommend everybody gets into it if you're a small business. Um, it's the format more than the platform. So once I created that video, I could take that same video, not with the watermark or anything, but and I'd use it on Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, YouTube Shorts. I'd even put it on a square canvas and send it to uh, LinkedIn. And I'd even take, if it wasn't a tutorial, I'd take that audio and throw it into a podcast template and create a podcast short. It's a nice, quick podcast episode. So the point being is like, all of a sudden, I'm everywhere. And so it's not just like all this effort worrying about building up my TikTok audience. Well, it's no longer just about TikTok. It's about these other places as well. And a crazy thing happened. So yeah, and it, look, it was really hard um, in the early going to stay more, especially because I was really inefficient. 
and I was starting to get burned out. Like there's a video I created like, Oh my God, like I'm trying to create three videos a day and it's taking two hours per video. Like it's got it. It's got to get better than this. And it's gotten better than that. But um, so, so there was that, but then it's like not really seeing, okay, what's the impact of this initially. Um, but then I started hearing from people. So on, on Facebook, it's like, oh, John, it was this, it was this really weird feeling when I get this kind of comment because it was, it both made me feel good and depressed at the same time. It's like, John, you helped me so much with my business back in 2014, 2015, years ago. I haven't seen you for years, right? It's like, oh, that that kind of dug deep, right? <laughs> like, I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad. You know, I helped you, but oh my God, I haven't gone anywhere. It's just that I haven't been playing the game with video, right? Um, but but also with uh, Instagram, it gave me reason to um, focus on Instagram because I created my Instagram account years ago, like again, completely resistant to the idea of I'm going to, oh, I'm going to upload images. What, what do I do? I can't really drive traffic with Instagram. What, there's no reason for me to be there. Then would eventually convert it to a business profile just so that I'd have a placement that I could use an ads manager. That was really it. I wasn't using Instagram. Um, I might've grown to like 4,000 followers of people who are probably really disappointed that I wasn't creating content, but I started publishing these videos and all of a sudden now I'm getting all this engagement that I haven't seen on Instagram before. So I was, I was seeing these signs and then it just hit me like all at once where there were a series of four one-on-ones that I conducted in two days. So people paid paid for these one-on-ones. And in each case, these were people who had been on my list for years and years, but I they hadn't bought anything for a while. And they told me specifically, I am here because of your videos. Right. So suddenly it's like, uh, I don't know what the ROI of this is. Um, I can't directly connect a specific video or my efforts generally beyond like word of mouth. People told me this, but I keep hearing that. And there's a reason, right? There are two, two main things there. It's like, first of all, yes, you're going to reach more people if you play that game of video, as opposed to hoping you're driving traffic and people see the link I share. Right. Um, but there's that personal connection that you can't get from the written word, or it's really hard to get from the written word. And I, I made a personal connection in the old days before video was a huge thing. Since people consume content differently, I, I lost a lot of that. So I think that's the biggest thing with video is making that personal connection with people where like someone signed up last week and she said, I feel like I know you now. <laughs> And that's why she signed up. And it's just, uh, it's light bulb, but it's also a matter of what was I thinking? I was so stubborn for too long, but at least uh, at least I'm here now. Well, the podcast, your podcast did that for you as well. Like we, I know as a listener, I felt like I knew you. Do you still have that podcast? I do. So the podcast, it's funny because it's a lot of the same challenges, really hard to measure. Mm-hmm. And occasionally I would hear from someone that, oh yeah, uh, I listened to you. I, I first ran into you from the podcast, or I listen to you all the time. Like the numbers are just so hard. I actually saw, you know, I'm, I've had over a million downloads over the ten years or so, but 
like, you know, like downloads are downloads. Like you, right. you don't know how many people are actually listening or listening to the end and all, you know, what are they doing? But beyond that, it's like, so I've been inconsistent with it over the years. And that's, that's another thing I, I was realizing and why I'm here today is I was losing that personal connection. First of all, I stopped interviewing people just because, you know, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Someone's inter- internet connection is not working. Their mic's not working. <laughs> Ooh, they don't yep. show up on time. They want to want to reschedule, you know, all that stuff. So I stopped interviewing people and I just started doing solos. Um, I stopped being on other people's episodes just because it's like, it's, a, it's a, you know, it was a commitment, time commitment. So I could focus on all these other things, not really realizing how much it would impact me ultimately. So my podcast still exists, uh, but I started finding ways to like make it more efficient, right? I'd have, I'd record solo episodes, which you lose a lot when you do solo episodes. You lose that back and forth. It's really important. And I started doing these shorts like about a year ago where, again, I was just like, how can I keep recording these? So at least I, I put stuff out that's valuable without, you know, all the production that goes behind it. So there'd be anywhere from like a two to 10 minute, you know, episode, I started doing those again. But so basically I've been taking lately because so much of my effort is dedicated to video. I've been repurposing a lot of those videos into these podcast shorts that at least for now, I I think, I think it's pretty effective, but I think uh, long-term I'll probably get back to interviewing because I understand how valuable that is. Well, since you said you're doing this content from two to 10 minutes, I think you need to do a flash briefing for, you know, because they show up on all the smart devices. So Google Home, Apple's Pod, if they even still have that. And then of course, A-L-E-X-A. I don't want to say her name, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I could tell you all about that later. But it's, I mean, it's really just a matter of you getting another RSS feed and uploading all the content you're already doing. And it blows me away that people who purchase stuff from me who tell me that they found me over there and they're not following me anywhere else, but that's a conversation for another day. Okay. So back to TikTok. What about TikTok ads? Like, what are you going to do? What should we do? Well, the first thing is if anyone listening has ever run Facebook ads, you're going to wonder why you haven't run TikTok ads before. Cause you, you hop into that and every it, I haven't heard this confirmed hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure that former Facebook ads manager uh, designers are the ones that worked on TikTok because it's called TikTok ads manager. The terminology is exactly the same. So you hop in there, you'll feel completely at home if you're used to Facebook ads manager. They've even got audience insights, which is like the old Facebook audience insights um, before they scrapped it because of privacy concerns, strangely enough. But creating a campaign is many of the same things, right? Campaign, what they call ad group. And then add many of the same stuff. Now, the thing to remember, though, is that the platform's different. So what works on Facebook won't necessarily work on, on TikTok. But I do see, though, kind of like what you're explaining, what you're describing with your um, kind of experiment there. You know, I haven't, I haven't done anything beyond trying to build my audience and trying to get more people to watch my videos and things like that. Um, which is always a mixed bag, no matter what platform you're talking about, because it's like your quality is probably not going to be great. It's really hard to isolate that quality. Like even if you start using those interests and behaviors and hashtags and whatnot, I'll be curious to hear what you find. I found that just made my CPM go crazy. 
uh, like when I didn't go broad, like the one thing I've seen with TikTok ads is CPM. If you go broad, it's like $2 if that for C, for CPM. And then I was using, it was a marketing and uh, advertising interest. And I think I might've used like a, the hashtags for like Facebook ads or something. And my CPM went up to like a hundred bucks. Wow. You, you can't, it's just really hard to get good result, like profitable. I don't say profitable, but uh, results that are worthwhile, even if it's quality when you start spending that high. So, but I've also compared some of my results. Like, okay, I'm looking at these videos and compare watch time and follow rate and all that kind of stuff compared to when, like when I use, uh, when I trust the algorithm with that uh, automatic audience, mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Uh, and then I've compared that to like when I've tried to slice and dice and like use lookalike audiences and things like that. And it's really not a noticeable difference that I've seen in terms of quality. Right. So like, like when you look at how long they're listening and, and things like that, and no matter what, I feel like it's, there is a numbers game here. It's, it's kind of like the beginning, mm-hmm. the early days of Facebook where the number of followers does matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, there's functionality is only available with a certain number of followers. But look, we'd be lying if we said when people look at your profile and it says 500 followers, they're not going to look at you, at you differently if you had 50,000 followers. True. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with Facebook, it's not really as much of a thing these days because that's so buried. Facebook intentionally buries that. But that's pretty front and center on TikTok right now. So there is that that element to it now you obviously want quality followers though too so you don't just want to blindly pay but um i'm still not yet using the ads to build leads or anything i do use the organic opt-in option which uh basically you know with each video there's this ability like this little thing comes up because like i don't even know what it's called i can't even what it's called anymore um this little thing comes up at the bottom if you click it you can sign up for my my email list. That hasn't been crazy popular that people sign up for, but it's just one way I've used it. It's beyond just watch my video. That is so cool. Well, I'm I'm in my TikTok right now, and I was able to promote because there's a little like tab that says promote, but I don't see Ads Manager. Where is that? Oh, so you're so you're doing it from the app itself. So basically, you don't even need to be a business. I don't think. To, I have a business nope. account on TikTok or yeah. creator account. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a creator account. But it's completely separate. It is completely separate because it's it's not like an ad account. It's an ads manager. And like you have to buy credits and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Right? You don't have to do all that in ad the TikTok ads manager. Oh. So is right? that that's you go that to to uh to the browser? Correct. Oh. Correct. It's completely different. You're not buying it's just like Facebook ads manager. Um, and honestly, I don't think the two talk to each other. Like if you did hit the promote, I don't think it realizes you've run ads from, from the TikTok ads manager. Oh, weird. Okay. When we get off this podcast, I'm going to go <laughs> and get all over that. Um, all right. So, but how did you, you did something like you, you, you gave yourself like a one month challenge or something and you did like a video a day. Like what, is that what you did? So it was I don't even know if I had a specific number I was saying I wanted to record. Like I had a goal of recording three every day uh, and but basically publishing three every day. 
And so it started, I can't remember, it was like October 3rd or something like that. I, I, re, I recorded at least one, published at least, at least one every day. I, re, I published 70 during the month of October. Oh my gosh. And that sounds crazy, but then you break it down like, oh yeah, it's t- you know, two or three a day. And like, that sounds reasonable when you say two or three a day. It sounds less reasonable when you're saying 70. <laughs> but Were you um, batching like 10 on Mondays or were you literally like doing two a day? Or were you yeah, posting two a day? Batching was impossible because it, caught, it took me two hours to create each video. Oh, right. Right. So it was definitely on the fly. Um, now I've gotten better. Now, the other thing is to to understand, like, there are different ways of recording videos. And that's the thing that I've, you know, I need to remind myself of over and over, over, like, not every single one needs to be this one minute long tutorial where I'm screen sharing and I've got to do this. It's more of a production and it's going to take about an hour to do all of that. You can also do just a quick Use it through the app, through the TikTok app, record a quick thought. You know, sometimes that's all you need to do. And that's not going to take much time at all. So I think I need to get to the point where I understand that there are multiple ways of doing this. Okay. Um, I have an experiment for you, John. (laughs) Okay. I think this is what you need to do. And I'm doing this completely selfishly. I think you need to host a challenge for us, right? Like we have to sign up for this TikTok Ooh. challenge, oh boy. right? And you preface it with like, look, I'm the new kid on the block on TikTok, but I want to share with you what I've learned so far. And what I've learned is that you just have to do it. And then we sign up for your challenge. And what we have to do is, is you're going to create like six different videos of TikTok and we have to pick one to duet. All right. Oh, geez. And you I don't even it. completely understand duets. But this is so good because you're going to get all these people duetting your videos, which, of course, are then going to get you to rise up in the algorithm. And also, you're teaching us at the same time. I don't really completely understand duet either, but <laughs> but something like that. Like we have to and, – and really and truly, I would rather do a TikTok challenge with you who, you know, we learn with you, right? Like right. so we get to learn with you, and it really be- could become this fun thing. I'm just saying because I've had this in the back of my mind for a long time. Like I really would like to challenge myself with like, you know, a TikTok a day or two a day or whatever, but it would be way more fun if it was curated and like something structured and organized. So I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Okay. I like it. Okay, good. Um, Now my listeners would kill me if we got all the way through this interview and I didn't ask you about what was new in Facebook ads. Like what, what do we need to know about what's new in Facebook ads? What, what do we need to pay attention to? Well, there's actually some good stuff happening. So um, much of the thing, the things that went away as a result of iOS um, is coming back. So for example, the 28 day click attribution used to be 20 is 28 day click. One day view was a default attribution, which meant, um, in your reporting, by default, those who clicked your ad and converted within 28 days or viewed your ad without clicking and converted within a day will show as a conversion related to specific ad. That was moved to seven-day click, one-day view. So we lost all that. You can st- Now, it's still seven-day click, one-day view, but you can access the eight to 28-day click conversion attribution now, which is big. I think especially during the holidays. Yes. Yes. You, you, you could tell yeah, you could tell a client, you know, ads manager told me that we got a hundred conversions, but they're actually 
another 15 that happen beyond seven day click. And that's, that's kind of cool. It's good to know. So the, the feature that allows that is another one that went away, which is compare attribution. That was a big deal too, because an example would be like back in the days where like our numbers inflated, for example, well, you could compare attribution to see how many of those conversions happen within one day click, seven day click, 28 day click, and one day view, right? And so it was really good to have that tool. When it went away, I found the biggest impact of that was remarketing. So I don't know about you, but like remarketing campaigns, you always have to look a little skeptically at with, with results because you're reaching people that you're also emailing um, in a lot of cases. So they may see your ad, they don't click it, you email them that same day. I mean, they might not have really even seen it. It was just displayed to them. They get, get an email from you the same day. They click it. They convert. Your numbers are crazy on Facebook because you get credit for it. The problem during the last year and a half was you could no longer say, oh, okay, th- those numbers are big, but I know that 30% came from one day view and these are people already marketed to. Now it was all thrown into the same bucket and you had no idea how much of it was viewed through. So that came back, which is extremely helpful. Um, and I, when I say it came back, not everybody has it, unfortunately, but uh, oh, hopefully, Facebook. <laughs> I know that's just the way every rollout is. Uh-huh. And then the final thing was related to conversions again, you could break down your results by things like placement and geography and age and gender. So for example, you have, you could say you have one campaign running, but you want to know, you know, how did um, Facebook newsfeed compared to like mobile newsfeed compared to like Instagram. And what you use a breakdown by placement, you could see, Oh, this is how much was spent on each placement and also how many conversions happened in each place. Well, one of the changes that happened during iOS was you could still break down that information, but conversions would no longer appear. So you were just kind of guessing as far as how many conversions happened in each placement. Mm-hmm. Well, that is coming back as well. Oh, so thank goodness. To me, these are all signs that like, why would they bring this stuff back if it's only going to get more and more difficult to track because of new laws because of uh, other browsers and devices starting to get stricter with uh, get more strict with uh, uh, privacy and, and whatnot and, and blocking and pix- the pixel situation, everything else. So why would they bring these things back unless they felt like they had it under, under control, right? So whether it's their modeling, there's something that they they must think, otherwise it's a complete waste of time and effort. Like why they bring it back? So I think that's a sign that things are about to get better in terms of Facebook advertising, um, attribution, and reporting um, that hopefully will be a little bit closer to what we remember before all this happened. Well, that is very, very good news. Okay, this is my last question. And then I want to talk about how people can work with you because you are such a wealth of knowledge. But, But before we get there... I'm super curious about what your content creation pro- process looks like behind the scenes. Like, what does your workroom look like? Like, do you have a team who does who does what? Because when I look at your blog, for example, you seem to be very consistent 
you're prolific and you have all these beautiful screenshots. It's like everything is meticulous. Again, like I said in the intro, everything is very clear, concise, well thought out. Like I know that you just can't whip those things out, you know, in five minutes. Um, but you, you just, yeah. So tell, please, please tell us what's behind the curtain. Well, there's a lot there. Well, first of all, as far as consistency, that's something I'm bringing back because I have to be, I have to stay on myself about that. It can be difficult. If you go back and look through the last few years again, you'll see a lack of consistency overall. Or there's like, there's one thing that I'm focusing most of my time on, right? Um, that said, I run pretty lean. Now, I do have a team, but in this team, I've had the same team for like, it's been about five years. So the team would be um, a, tra- a, a Tracy who's, handles all customer support and triage of like who, who needs to answer this or how should this be addressed. She's amazing. Luke answers a lot of the questions that come in that are technical. And, it, and he also uh, goes into like our, our Facebook groups to, to answer some questions there to, to take the pressure off of me and have a, a tech team, Joel, uh, Joel's team who um, they handle all the, Know, the uh, website and all, all the things that I don't understand that's it's technical. So that's the thing, first of all. But beyond that, when it comes to content creation, that's entirely me. And, you know, I've kind of, look, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> it. It just depends on your vision for your brand, right? There were times when I started to, I took a lot of guest posts I would have other people direct training um, and things like that. Um, I think that that was, those were also the times when my business started taking the wrong turn because I started relying on those people too much. And I also became, I think, less sharp uh, as a result because I wasn't as needed. So when my brand is me, that becomes difficult uh, when I start relying on other people to do content. If I'm not like, keep holding myself accountable to make sure I'm still doing all the things I used to do. That said, um, as I just put together like a a little video on this too, of what my routine is going to look like for next year, because once I create a routine for the start of the year, it always gets, becomes a mess by the end of the year, which is what happened this year. So I'm not even doing this right now, but I will, I want to start the year. I I try to have like a, a day that's for blogging a day. And it's going to be, have to be a day plus for uh, video creation a day when I can be on people's podcasts or I can record podcasts and a day when uh, I'm doing meetings. So either it's team meetings or one-on-ones that people can book with me, things like that. And then, you know, also making sure that every day I've got these blocks of time that are for personal stuff. So it could be, you know, getting my day going and, you know, reading and meditating. And I have this whole coffee routine with our espresso maker for me and my wife. And then I like, I'm making sure I exercise every day. Like you have to build those things in, but part of it's just being focused uh, as possible, like specializing it in those days. It's like, look, my, my office is nothing amazing. Uh, like my equipment, my blogging, I'm lucky. I, I feel like I can sit down and write a blog post in under an hour. I mean, I, it's it's not that. It, it's just that's one of the things where I, it's really helped. I mean, for my business, it's largely been around my blog. 
Um, but I've also been writing for a long time. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of processes, um, yeah, I, I think it, to be as focused as specialized and, and intentional, it's just really important. I love that. I love to have, I love the idea that, uh, I mean, this is, this is my audience knows that like every single year I start the new year saying, all right, I'm going to batch. Right. <laughs> I'm going to batch and I'm going to be consistent. And, um, and I don't, because what happens is, um, if I do more than one podcast interview a day, like I think John Dumas does like five a day or something mm-hmm. or more, mm-hmm. I'm just exhausted after one, you know? And so there's no batch going to happen, but you know, same with YouTube videos. Like they just seem to take forever, but whatever. I love the idea. Right. For me, I was trying to pack it all in one day, but I like how you've done that. Like have a day for the blogging, a day for video, a day for, for whatever. I I think that's really, really smart. I might, I might try to go that route myself. But, but even, even like the day for blogging, that sounds insane. Well, it's not really a day of blogging. It's just like, this is the day I'm going to write. So if I'm going to have two blog posts, um, and look, it depends on how long it's going to take you, but I've got a, a block of, f- of four hours to write those two blog posts. And then early in the day, guess what? I, I, I needed more time to do videos. So early in the day, I'm going to have another couple hours where I can do video. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I couldn't do like an entire day of recording videos or an entire day of like, of interviewing people on a podcast. There's still breaks in there. And there's still some variation like, okay, if I'm not a guest on someone's show, then I can record as well. So it's, it, it kind of changes your frame of mind a bit. Yeah, that's a good point. And also like for me, I think the way I'm going to go into it is that because it's not batching if I don't do more than one, but right now it's just one because it's like, that seems to be what my stamina is. But I think if I make like the whole first week of the month, give myself the whole first week, I'm still going to be ahead of the game if I batch in that way. Even if I just did video one week, right? Because then I'd have, I've had, if I only release one a week, I've got one, I've got a month worth of content. So, I mean, I could do it. I need to do it. I just need to stop making excuses. All right. And to interrupt real quick, I think a big part of that is just like, I I have a document where where I come up with ideas um, keep track of blog post ideas, video ideas, podcast ideas, so that I can then go to it when it's time for me to sit down and do it. Um, and, and you're not trying to think something up on the fly either. Yeah, such a good, such a good tip. Then you're not like staring at the blank page every time you try to create. Such a good tip. Okay, so um, I know people want more. Uh, so, and I know you're doing. Um, I'm going to make sure and get this published before you do this uh, mass free. Masterclass. Can you tell us about that? So yeah, I, I did something a little different this year where I did a monthly free webinar. Um, it's called the five tips. Um, and it's largely focused on Facebook ads though. Of course, now I've experimented a little with TikTok. There's been a little TikTok in there as well, but basically it's just a, a quick, you know, 45 minutes or so webinar where I give you the five things that are relevant right now to help you with your advertising. So if you go to johnloomer.com, um, and assuming this, my webinar hasn't happened yet. When you hear this, there will be a banner at the very top, uh, to sign up for it. It's going to be on next, as we record this next Thursday, the 15th, I believe. December 15th. Uh, yeah. December 15th. Yep. Okay. And, um, so, and you know what, if anybody listens to this after the fact, 
if they end up on your website, johnloomer.com, it's a win because uh, you guys, I got to tell you, like you really, it's, you know, block some time out, you know, carve out a little time when you, when you go down there, be really intentional about it. Because when you go to johnloomer.com, you're just going to be blown away by, by all the great free resources that he has there. And then if you want to take it a step further, they can sign up for Power Hitters Club, right? Yeah, there, there are really two main ways um, to take that next step with me. I mean, sometimes you may just want to sit down with me to talk about your, your ads, right? Like you, if you're not a community type person, you can book one-on-ones with me. Otherwise, um, I have my Power Hitters Club membership, which I've been running for the last like nine years or so. And um, within my elite community, so there's a Facebook group and we do strategy sessions every Tuesday. I have a weekly webinar to update them on everything that's happening every Wednesday. You get discounts on uh, my, my one-on-ones. You get access to my entire training library. It's good stuff. So um, you can either find that on johnlimmer.com or if you go to powerhitterscloud.com, get that there too. Yeah, and let's make sure everybody knows that you spell your name J-O-N. It's not J-O-H-N. So J-O-N-L-O-O-M-E-R.com. John, this has really been so great. It was a thrill for me because you are one of my early mentors and you still remain a guiding light. So I just, I really appreciate the time that you spent with us today. I appreciate you, Jen. Thanks so much. Take care.